Hey everybody, we are back from vacation. Um, thank you for tuning into the Board Game Mechanics. My name is Katie, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And don't worry, we weren't off, you know, in like some kind of sunshiny place where they can't let Americans in, or we have to quarantine for 14 days, all that jazz. We just were at church camp, you know, social distancing, doing a lot of outdoors, and so yep. Jason is over the outdoors now that we're back. I mean, I've always been over the outdoors. <laughs> well, that's but, true. I mean, I'm officially over the outdoors for right now. Yeah, and it, it was pretty hot. So I am back to reaffirming my love for air conditioning and it being the greatest invention of mankind. It really is. Like, whoever came up with that, they should get, like, the Nobel Peace Prize or something. I feel like I should know who invented the air conditioner. I feel like I've looked it up before. Yeah, probably, but we don't really care. I just want to have the air conditioner working. Wow, that that's true. Willis Carrier. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. He's credited with knowing the first modern air conditioner. Hmm. The more you know. Board game mechanics, <laughs> talking about board games, and air conditioners. Now, the idea of using evaporated water or other liquids to cool off a muggy space came before Carrier's invention in 1902, but he is credited with the modern air conditioner. 1902? Really? All right, we're going to go down some rabbit hole. You need to just close that right now. I know, I know. We got board games to talk about. I just love to learn new things. Before we talk about board games, I want to talk about people that I love from from the Riveted. (laughs) Katie's Fickle Favorite Time. So, as always, Mike Picorni is my favorite. I mean, that's like without saying. That's like asking me to pick a different Lancelot. He was obviously the best of the Knights of the Round Table. So, I mean, Mike sent those awesome upgraded components for my favorite game, Green Austria Hotel. And then today, just today, he sent me the file for um, print and play for the zombie expansion for Mary Mr. Darcy, which I really like that game as well. Um, but I haven't played it. We haven't played it in a while. And we had the Emma expansion. I don't even know if we played the Emma expansion. But I am a big fan of the book, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, as well as the movie. And they're very different. Um, and so I can't wait to put that into the game because I do like Mary Mr. Darcy quite a bit in zombie fighting. So. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Mike is always my favorite. This week from Obscurity, Dan from Board Game Rundown. Gave me a shout out aw, on his show. Thank you. And although it makes me more nervous now because I feel like nobody cares about my news. because I, So I just pick random stuff that I like or I think seems cool. And this is the second time that you've mentioned something that I have mentioned on the news segment. And so now I'm a little freaked out about that. But Dan, thank you. You're my favorite. <laughs> After Dan did it, Tim tried to claim some uh, glory as well, but Tim, it just it's not the same. From what I heard, you had no idea Dan was going to give me a shout out by name, so I'm sorry you fall a little short of the favorite this week. Uh, <laughs> Try again There's always later. next week. Right. You could send me something or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, some people just know how to get into my favor and some people don't. I just don't know what to say about that. Yeah. He'll figure it out someday. Oh, that's true. Well, and speaking of news, the news tonight, Jason did over half of it, which I'm shocked. So I like didn't even bother to really get my news on because Jason had already filled out. So, babe, you want to start the news? All right. So, yes, I did some work. I did some stuff. I actually prepared so I'm elevating this show from pretty okay to just okay. We're losing the pretty. We're just okay now. I mean, I never had the pretty, but you add the pretty. I'm just okay, Aww, I guess. thanks, babe. So the first game I want to talk about that's on Kickstarter right now with 12 days to go from Subsurface Games is called With a Smile and a Gun, which, fun fact, that's a quote attributed to Al Capone. And it says you can get f- you can get pretty far in life, but you can get a lot farther with a smile and a gun, or something like that. It's probably some wow, it's probably some salty language You've really language done in there, your research I'm, well on that, honey. I know what the quote is, but it, there's like four or five different versions of it, and they can't decide which one it is. Some of them have salty language, some do not. So I picked that one that I just said because it doesn't have any salty language. So I know what I'm talking about. 
Well, the Al Capone Museum says you can get much farther with a smile, a kind word, and a gun than you can with a smile and a kind word. Well, that's fine. Well, that's not what the... Goodreads says you can go a long way with a smile. You can go a lot farther with a smile and a gun. Right. That's the one that I used, yes. Anyway, the game is based on that quote, now that we've derailed a little bit. So what this game is, it's a two-player area-majority dice drafting game set in Prohibition times. Both players are taking on the role of a mobster. Or if you're playing solo, you're taking on the role of a mob family versus some other, like, crew. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get more of your influence cubes down in the nine sections of this city so you can get these control tokens. The control tokens are going to have hats on them, which are just basically points. There's going to be narcotics, there's going to be weapons, and there's going to be gambling. And what you want to do is you want to have more of all of those tokens than your opponent because you're going to get extra points. If you can have, say, or if, or if I have three of them and the opponent has zero, even though I don't have all of them, then I'll have the monopoly in that, in, in that um, illegal activity. Hmm. But while you're trying to get the influence, there's also cops in each of the nine regions who are battling for your influence as well. So I may have four cubes in this area. My opponent may go there and they have three cubes, but they're going to take this other special action where they're going to add extra cops to that area where I currently have majority. So it's going to, I'm going to lose the majority and then the cops going to come in and get first dibs at some of the tokens and I'm going to get what's left over. So while it's a two player game with area majority, it really simulates a three player game, which is pretty neat because mm. area majority with two players isn't that great. But yeah, I enjoyed this. It's cool. Uh, there's a video on our YouTube channel. 12 days left, 30 bucks. If that sounds interesting to you, which probably not because my description was terrible. <laughs> but you can go you, you can go look at the YouTube video and you can actually see it in action. So that's with a smile and a gun from Subsurface Games. Um, I, I do. I really love um, gangster-themed games. I think they're really cool. However, I do hate area control, like kind of a lot. So I'm not sure if I would like this game, which is probably why you didn't play it with me. Um, but... Like, I, I love the idea of being, like, a mobster and having, like, a mob family. Like, that's cool. I mean, that's the theme. But it's it's really abstracted out. You just have your little, you have a little meeple that you're moving around, and he's called the boss. So that's where the theme essentially ends. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's true, because I think having, like, cops and, like, trying to bribe them and stuff, I feel like that's very thematic. And, like... I guess, I guess. Having, so, I like, guess. a monopoly on certain types of contraband, like... That's how you get to be like a Don. You you got to get the illegal goods and you got to be the only one running it or running the best, you know, version of that in, in your territory. Like that's the mob life, man. Katie knows all about the mob life. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the Yakuza actually <laughs> count as like the mob, but I'm just saying. It's close enough. Just mob from a different country. I know. I, <laughs> I'm not saying I know anything, okay? Because you can't say that. I'm just saying. I've read some stuff. I heard some stuff. I know. I know some. I know somebody who knows somebody who owns a warehouse. And that and that person knows somebody who he may swim with the fishes. Is that what you're going to say? Too? I'm not saying. I just know somebody. Somebody who's also a shoe salesman. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on from the mob, and uh, we're going to move on to Hollywood. Hollywood with the next piece of nude. Next piece of nude. I don't know why I said nude. Next piece of news. Hey, we're a family show. That we're going to do. We're a family show. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to bleep myself. Um, <laughs> so the next the next game we're going to talk about is Roll Camera from Keen Bean Studios. It has nine days left, and the base pledge is 49 bucks. So what this game is, is a cooperative dice placement game about making a Hollywood movie. Um... You're doing that through um, building set pieces. You're doing that through coming up with some ideas so you can, you know, help make the movie better, earn money, get more time. You're doing that by solving problems that show up because when you're on a movie, sometimes your director feels the need to just do crazy things. So you got to make do with all that stuff that he's doing or she's doing. And you're also trying to get actors onto the set, which means you're going to put certain faces of dice onto the set pieces to make appropriate scenes that you need for your movie. It's a it's a pretty interesting game. 
Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's also a video on the YouTube channel because, again, as per usual, my description that I'm talking about right here is terrible. So just go watch it on YouTube, and you can just pretend like everything I said here is what really happens. So if that sounds cool, sounds interesting, go check it out on Kickstarter. Maybe throw some support. And if you're unsure, check out the video. Roll camera. Yeah, this one's actually pretty fun. And we always like Dice Placement. And while we're not big on cooperative games, I do think that the theme is really cool for this because you also have a different player power because you're all like different contributors. Like maybe the cinematographer or like I was the editor. And really your special abilities, your player powers really thematically work well with what your character is. So I really like that about it because I felt like, oh, this is really interesting and you have these randomized scripts that let you know what kind of scenes need to be in the movie, if they should be funny or sad or dramatic. Um, those are kind of changing around and, you know, as always on a, on a set, you know, problems come up. It's it. I, I really, I actually really enjoyed this one. I would love to get a Kickstarter version of this. Yeah. I mentioned it to them. I don't think, they, <laughs> I don't think they uh, liked my mentioning of it to them, but, I do have to send it back, which kind of stinks, but maybe we'll get a final copy when it's done. Yeah, but it was, it, it was a good game. It was fun. I liked it. All right, so that's all the news I got. I was going to talk about another one, but I like to have sets of three, so if we would have had four, and that would have been weird. So I'm done, so I'm going to let you go on with your piece of news. I only added one because I hadn't gotten to the rest of them that I was going to add, and then I thought, oh, Jason's got all this news. I shouldn't add that many, so I'll at least do my part and add one piece of news. And then he takes away one piece of news. Which, like, all the stuff that you were putting on here as news, I had in, like, my list to talk about as news. So The game I was going to talk about is pizza delivery. So if you want to talk about pizza delivery, go ahead and talk about pizza delivery. Well, I had it on there, but I didn't do all of my extra research because you had it on there. All right, fine. I'll talk about it. So <laughs> b- before Katie gets into her last one... I also was going to talk about a game called Pizza Delivery. Again, pretty okay. We just make stuff up on the fly, and we're going to roll with it. Um, calling an audible. I'm calling an audible. <laughs> so uh, Pizza Delivery is from a company 2D6.ee. I don't know what that means, but that's what they're called. And I can't remember how many days are left or how much money it was because I deleted it from the outline. I'll find out. But uh, Katie will find that out while I tell you about the game. So... This is essentially a game where you're trying to get different types of pizza out of this deck, a deck of cards. And you're going to be using those pizzas to deliver to certain parts of the city that's on this little board out on the table. You're also trying to get certain types of pizza because you have a personal goal of like two or three different types of different pizzas that you want to deliver. So for every type of that pizza you deliver, you're going to get some extra points. It's a pretty, um, like I think as a family weight style pizza like pick up and deliver set collection game but i wanted to talk about it because i thought the theme was neat because there's not a ton of games about delivering pizzas or just pizza in general so that seemed fun to me so that's why i originally was going to talk about pizza delivery and then i refrained but it has 11 days left and katie is advising me per the outline (laughs) that it costs 30 dollars for um this game if you want a copy again there's not a ton on the Kickstarter page to really give you information. I don't even think there's any videos. So you're just going to have to read and kind of just see how the turn flows. But what I said is essentially the gist of it. Yeah. And we are very um, frequent utilizers of pizza delivery. So I feel like this is kind of like a fun version of that. And there's so much pick up and deliver games that why shouldn't you deliver pizza? And it has little unique shaped um, oh yeah, scooters and scooters stuff. Scooters and a bike and a, a little a pizza roller, like the cut. It's it's pretty cute. All right, so now I talked about pizza delivery. So now you can go talk about your uh, your twenty five percent of the news. I want to talk about a game that's who it's about to wrap up. It's called The Shivers, and this is like a really unique kind of hybrid game where you're combining um, like RPG style stuff with board game. And the neat thing about it is the board is like this pop-up book. Like it's like these little different sections, like little rooms in this kind of haunted house that have little 
like pieces like they pull down and so you've got pop-ups you can actually see like the fireplace and there's cupboards and they open because you can find clues in there because it's like a mystery um and i did want to cover this at first because i've seen it it's been out on kickstarter for a while obviously there's only six days left but i was like oh they're seeing so much buzz on it and all the all the groups like uh and i i'm a 90s kid so i'm always like whatever i don't want to do something because everybody else likes it like i'm against the grain but you know it's just dumb you fit in well on this show <laughs> so then i actually looked at it and it is so cool and i want it so bad now so you do have someone that kind of runs the game they're the storyteller and so i think with the base game you get eight booklets that help them tell a story and then you slide these cards like behind um the little like set pieces that you have that pop up so that you can find clues that new things are showing up. You pick a character and you let that character like play through the mystery. Oh my gosh. It looks so fun. And it's like really accessible um, for all ages. Like it was specifically designed because the designer is like an engineer and he wanted to design a game that would be, like fun and like kind of mystery and intrigue with like a little bit of a role-playing element, but that was really accessible for his kids too, that he could play as a family. And this one's so cool. And like, they just really took his prototype and like upped like his design. Um, they got this great illustrator and the, they got a person who's done like a ton of like really significant pop-up books um, to do the pop-up designs and like they're magnetic so like you could the rooms lock together so when you play like a new story and I think there are sequential like you just shift the rooms around you add the different backdrops and bam you're ready to go it looks awesome and I want it so bad so the base game is 65 bucks which I think is a pretty good deal for how intricate the stuff is for it but what I really want is the $95 deluxe edition because <gasps> Shut your mouth. <laughs> because it's got like these extra rooms that are like in the Kickstarter stretch goals, you know, new scenarios and things and other little standees of characters and stuff. Like I just can't say no to that because that to me feels like a really complete game. And so I know it's way, both of them are above Jason's price point, but man, this, this looks cool. So if you're interested in like role-playing games or even just like slightly interested, because this is would be a really easy intro into maybe deeper role-playing, because it seems like you're kind of anchoring everything on these cool pop-up tiles. Like, check out the Shivers. Um, six days left in Kickstarter, 65 bucks for the base game, 95 for the deluxe edition. So does the pop-up book actually serve a purpose? Yeah, because you use it to like, to look at, like you can find clues within the little pop-ups like you can open up cupboards uh, and you. stuff okay, like you. it it is essential it's not just like there is like a background or whatever okay yeah i was like i've never looked at this because it just seemed like something i wasn't interested in but i wasn't sure if the pop-up book was just bored like part of the board that was irrelevant just looked cool but that is pretty neat that you're actually using it to play the game so that's cool no i think you might like it because you like look for clues you solve puzzles and um, like I said, I think this is enough board game-ish that it wouldn't feel like super RPG for you. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. So it looks, it looks really cool. I think it looks really cool and I really, really want it, but I know you're not going to back it. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much. Oh, there's like another thing I like about this is a custom die. So you roll it and the sides say it works. It doesn't work. It kind of works or it backfires. That's funny. <laughs> so it's like a nice like you're not calculating like off of a D20 or anything. Like it is super straightforward and there's a magnifying glass to see those little teeny tiny clues. The deluxe edition. Oh, man. You get like. A, a crypt expansion and you get extra story cards and extra creature cards and you can you can play the the neighborhood dog cat or the family dog i extra magnify oh man why can't we back this we've backed enough <sighs> all right i'll live vicariously through one of you go check it out the shivers
<laughs> if you keep asking, somebody may send it to you. No, they won't. <laughs> this is that's a lot of money. I would never ask anyone to send me a Kickstart game unless it was like a five dollar game or something. Because like that's just I my conscience couldn't handle it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We never really ask people anyway. It's always tongue in cheek. So right. No, I don't want anybody to send me stuff. I like it if you do. It's a surprise or whatever. But you guys are awesome without without the materialistic version we don't do this for the money by any means but if someone gets it oh my gosh like send me a video of you just like opening it and looking at the pieces like maybe i'll trade try and convince jason to trade for it when it's like old and busted and get it from somebody yeah 20 years i can trade for it for like a song May- yeah, I can maybe our um our new hotness giving buddy will buy it and then since it's like a certain like campaign level once he plays through it maybe he'll let me play it i mean i'm sure he will buy it i mean that goes without saying i think <laughs> That's the news. Okay, so let's talk about games played. And while we did play a fair amount of games while we were gone at camp, um, a lot of them are games that we have talked about before that we play frequently because we love them. Um, like we played Mercator, we started The Godfather until we got rained on. Um. Oh, we played Trajan, which I don't think we've talked about before. Well, you didn't play all of it. You played like a round. <laughs> yeah, my. That's why I didn't. That, that's why I didn't include that one. Um, but one that we I don't know if we've talked about yet, but we have played before, and that is Zuloretto. Um. So Zuloretto, I think, is a really fun little game. It's obviously it's definitely an older game. Um, but it's where you are kind of drafting tiles to put on these carts. And everyone has a player board that is their zoo. And you're trying to fill your zoo, the pins in your zoo. So each pin can only have the same, like one type of animal. And so as the round, as you go around each round, you're pulling, flipping over tiles to either get um, animals or like vending carts or money. And you're putting them in these three segmented um, kind of carts that you can choose from. And at any point, you can pick a cart that you want, and then you put it in your zoo. So you're trying to fill up these different areas with all the same species. Leftovers go in your barn, which can be negative points. People can buy from your barn. Um, You're trying to get some animals have specific genders that you can get baby animals, which will help fill up your little areas better. Um, It's a fun game because I... I love little animals like there's pandas, which are so cute, and the kangaroos and the lions. And it's it's push your luck, which is why Jason likes it, because you're like, ooh, do I really want to take that now? Oh, you know, who's getting all the giraffes? Like, should I try for something else? What where should I put this coin? What cart should I put it on? Because I want somebody else to take this. And I know they really want that that lady flamingo because they could have a baby flamingo but i don't want them to get all the good stuff so why don't i stick you know like a zebra on there that they don't need at all and um there is a lot of thinkiness in just this little zoo animal game yeah i really like this game it's it's super light like pretty sure kids could probably play this game probably rory could probably play this game i would bet but yeah it's, it's just really fun it's fun trying to collect the different types of animals and getting mad at people when they take the other male when they already have the male and now you can't get the male with your female animal make a baby no one can get a baby yeah Ugh. that's just rude yeah you do that a it lot rude. don't worry and so does brandon i'm calling you out again <laughs> on the podcast brandon yeah so, but yeah it's a fun game uh the push your luck i mean it's not like quacks push your luck or anything but there is a little bit of push your luck where do i want to take the truck now am i going to hold out and hope that somebody you know maybe messes up and put something that i really want on this truck yeah, it, it's fun. I enjoy this a lot. Well, also the fact that once you take a cart, your turn's over for the round. You can't do anything else. And so deciding, okay, am I really ready to take a cart now? Or do I want to try to switch some animals around? Do I want to buy an animal from somebody else's barn? Like, I think that it's not as light as it seems on the surface, especially if you're really trying to win. Yeah, that's true. It, it seems like because you can only do like one of four things. Right. But you're still trying to think, you know, well, I look over at that player. Player, They have flamingos. I have flamingos. 
but I also know that I have a male flamingo and they can't, maybe don't see that. So that female right there, I really want that. Yeah. It's, it's got some good stuff going on for sure. Well, and then do I want to move these three flamingos over to the enclosure where I have the zebras and switch them? Cause I think I can get more zebras than flamingos and I need to fill up this whole area to get the most points. Yeah. I think there's some good strategy to it too. All right. So now let's talk about this next game. <laughs> All right. So, so when we were at, we were at the camp that we were at, every night we would sit outside of our cabin and we would play games. And a guy who we really like, who's really nice, <laughs> wanted us to play this game. And he was talking it up. He talked it up for like two days. So finally we played it. He made it sound a lot cooler than I think it actually was. <laughs> and the game is called Jokers and Marbles. Or if you're on BGG, it's called Pegs and Jokers. So one of the two names is the official name of this game. So let me try to explain it, then I'll let Katie jump in. (laughs) So if you've ever played Sorry, this is essentially Team Sorry. So you have these little wooden wooden paddles. They look like little paddles. And you have five dice of your color. No. The goal of the game... Five marbles. Or five five marbles, sorry. Five marbles. Or I think if you have the pegs and marbles, or jokers and pegs version, it's pegs. I think that's why they change... That's what changes the name. Yeah, yeah. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get these marbles all the way around all the boards, because all the boards are connected. We played a six-player game, so there are six boards. And each board, I think, has like 20 holes that the marble can go in. So you have to move this marble... 120 spaces around to get it into your home section. Kind of like in Sorry where you have to get in the home and you want to get in home with the exact amount of spaces. The trick here is you're using cards. So you're going to have a hand of five cards and you're using these cards to move your di- your marble. I keep wanting to say die. Move your marble that many spaces. Some of the, the cards have special abilities like the eight will let you move backwards. That puts you right next to your home section. So you basically have cut 100 spaces off of your movement, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's a seven where you can split the movement between two marbles and you have to get out of your home space with an ace or a face card. And if you land on somebody else's marble, you send them back to their home. Now, if you play a joker, you switch places with another marble. And if you switch places with your teammate, your teammate automatically goes in to home. If you switch places with an opponent, they go back into their start. So, that's essentially the gist of the game. You're just trying to be the first team to get all of your marbles into the holes. Yeah, and you're did did you mention you're doing that by playing your cards and different cards to different things? I did, yes, different cards. The only thing I didn't mention was once one of the teammates gets all of their marbles into the home, then you both start playing as one person. So like if my teammate was already in the whole, you know, their home, they would start using their cards to move my marble so I could get my marbles in the home faster. So it's like two people tackling one color at the same time. Right, which is actually kind of a, a very serious strategy. So for me, like you you sit across from your partner. And so um, my friend Josie and I, we were partners. We were all female team. The rest were dudes. And so when we first started playing, Josie was kind of just moving her marbles around like Really, she's a numbers person, effectively doing that, moving her her marbles even backwards out of the home so there's less area to travel. I was, meanwhile, just like beating up on my neighbors in kind of a defensive action and just sending their marbles home over and over again. That was really annoying. Jason happened to be on one of my one side. Um, so... But in doing that, that means that, like, I wasn't really progressing around the board as much. Uh, But that kind of gave her the opportunity to kind of have some ways cleared for her to get her marbles around the board. So I was sacrificing early in in a defensive mode so that she could do the offensive. And then at the end, we're both working on my marbles. And that, I think, I think that's what gave us the win. That's a good strategy on our part, but... Yeah, you know, I didn't actually hate this game as much as I thought I was going to. It was kind of entertaining. I don't love (laughs) Sorry. But, I mean, I do love card games. And, you know, I I like marbles because I like that physical manipulative. It's a a lot, take that. 
Oh, yeah. It's 100% take that. That's all it is. <laughs> so I think playing with a bigger group does make it more fun. And it's it's one of those games where you can, like, which we did, talk and catch up and do other things while you're playing it. And it, it's still it's still a good time. It's not something I want to play, you know, every week. But it still it still wasn't bad. It was, pretty, it was all right. Pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it about a billion times better than Sorry. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Yeah, a lot of it was just because we were hanging out and chatting and just getting into it, and Justin kept getting stuck for, like, 12 <laughs> turns. That was pretty funny, too. Yeah, I kept drawing, like, a face card right after him <laughs> just to rub it in. It was that good time. Yeah, it was funny. All right, so the last game uh, is another interesting one that's kind of outside of our box of stuff, I guess. For real. And it is called Perudo or Liar's Dice. Or Pirate's Dice, whatever you want to call it. But it's famously been called Liar's Dice. That's probably the most common version. And, uh, yeah, I like this game. So I'm not going to talk about this one. I'll let Katie talk about it, then I'll give some thoughts at the end. Why do you want me to talk about it? I don't like this game. I think it's stupid. That's why I want you to talk about it. Everybody has a cup and five (laughs) dice. You shake them up. You flip it over. You look at the dice, and you're like, oh, I think there are this many of this number dice all around the table. Which I think that's ridiculous. How am I supposed to know? So you could Prudo, like when you think someone's not being, not right, you can say Prudo and then they have to prove it. Like, I don't know. So at first we started playing it. I'm like, how do I even know what to say? I'm looking at five dice out of 20 because we were playing a four player game. I'm like, how am I supposed to know based on 20 out of 5%? Um, so a lot of it is like manipulating other people into making big bets that you can Prudo and um that's not a lot of it that's all of it <laughs> that that is the game i don't know so like at first i lost like two dice right away and then i ended up winning i was close i was close all right so let me tell you about the stuff that katie didn't talk about because she hates this so because <laughs> it's you dumb have, you, have, you have five dice when you're rolling your dice i explained exactly how to play it I, I, you didn't mention the wilds so oh. they're the ones are wild so say i rolled Three twos, a one, and a three. I effectively have four twos. Four two threes. So when I'm, or two threes, whatever. So I'm looking at my dice and I say, man, I have four of this number. Out of 20 dice, I have four of these. There's got to be like four or five more out there across all the rest of the dice. So I'd say six fours. And then somebody's like, well, I have four fours. There's got to be more than that. Then they'll keep raising it up. So eventually you're going to get yourself into this corner where you either have to call somebody's bluff. Or you just got to keep going higher because you don't want to call anybody's bluff and get knocked out. So I, I like that. I think it's 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 fun. It's like push your luck type thing. I like it. It's. I felt like it was a waste of time. When it was over, I was like, thank goodness. I don't know. I actually liked it. I didn't like it at first, but then by the time we got to the end, I was having a good time. It's fun. I'm turning into a... A non-heavy gamer. Yeah, I'm starting you, to play Sorry. Not even non-heavy games, some... like terrible games. Like that game is like, you could take rocks and like mark colors on them <laughs> and then like decide, okay, oh, I think that three people have pink rocks. Like, I mean, you just don't know. Like, uh, no. All right. Well, let's let's end on that high note for gaming with Perudo. And let's actually move into the topic that you've all been waiting for since we started talking 40 minutes ago. Okay, so we have this list of all these topics, and some of them came from you guys in the Riveted, um, and some of them apparently we thought of late at night. This is the kind of thing I do. I think of late at night when I wake up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should... uh, I should post, I should, we should do a podcast on that. Yeah, let me write it down on a note on my phone. And then later I'm like, where'd that come from? So this may have been one of those. I'm not sure. Um, But we wanted to look, at first I saw it was the top, looking at games outside the BGG's top 1000. And then I thought, as I started looking, I'm like, well, what about the top 2000? And so... I gotta be honest. I really don't follow BGG. I don't have an account on there. I don't pay attention to any of the rankings because I think that they're malarkey. But I mean, m- most of the time, I think you're right. Yes. But 
I thought this would be an interesting way to get to some really deep cuts of games. Games that are good, but are like really under the radar, that they're for like really seasoned, open-minded players. And so we're going to look at games from the BGG 2000 to 3000 rankings. And the first game on here is one of my favorite games. I think it might be in my top 20. That's how much I love this game. But it is right. No way. I think it is, babe. I think it is. Wow. This game is All good. Right. It's a getting close to time to start thinking about those lists. I know. I've played so many more games this year. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> You're going to have like 114 games to choose from. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Whatever. Like 300. I'm just kidding. No, you've played a lot more games this year, a, for sure. You're a jerk. I've, we just talked about at least one game that I've played that you haven't. There's several. Oh, that's true. You're right. So you can shut your mouth. Now, let me talk about my game. So this game is ranked <laughs> 2752 on BGG. So pretty, I mean, it's pretty low. But that game is called My Star. And um, this is one of those AEG little box games. You can get it right now on Amazon for 20 bucks. I would play this more if... It weren't a three-player only game. Um, but My Star is so cool. So the theme um, is you are a geisha, and each person gets a geisha who has her own, like, qualities. So maybe, um, and they're, they, they're given number value on, like, their tea service or their entertainment, um, their wit, intelligence, those kind of things. Then you have a hand of cards, and you are trying to get rid of all your cards before everyone else gets rid of their hand cards because any cards that are left in your hand when someone goes out are negative. Pretty classic card game rule. But these cards can serve multiple purposes. So you can play cards um, and there are all these different Japanese rankings. Doctor, Damio, Samurai, Sumo Wrestler. Um, they can be played as advertisers. So they can tell other people how great you are. And so different um, occupations give you different amounts, like maybe they add to your beauty score or they add to your intelligence score. Or if you have um, enough of a certain, like the certain qualities that um, one of these occupations needs, they can become your client and then they're pure points. Now, when you play someone as an advertiser, you have to draw another card. So that doesn't really eliminate your hand. But when you play them as an actual customer, then you don't have to redraw. Also, they all have these um, special like powers that can make other people draw more cards or get rid of their good cards. Um, it's just like, it's just a stack of cards, but what you can do with it is so interesting. And you're puzzling out, your tr you're just trying to get rid of the, your hand of cards, but how you play these cards, the best combinations, what works the best, what do I save to try and play as a customer versus what do I want to play out here as an advertiser? How do I get advertisers or customers from other people? How do I add to their hands? You know, making sure if I don't think I can get rid of my hand, how can I get as little as possible if someone else is going to go out? It's just such a good game. And so that is my first pick, My Star. Yeah, the best part about that game is we got there for like five bucks, which is pretty yeah, nice. we did. I forgot about a lot how a lot of how this game works because we haven't played it for a while. But man, that's right. That is a pretty good solid game. You're right. I know. Like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I forgot about the um the I just forgot about how the game played, and then I was like, oh yeah, you do get to use the cards in multiple ways, which is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, I, I do like that one. Yeah. Now if we and we would play it more if if you could play it two players, but it has to be three. Right. I don't know why you can't play it at two. Actually, I was thinking about that when you were talking. It might just not be, you know, there's less people to pick on. Yeah, there's too much back and forth, I think, in, yeah. in this. And it's just, I don't think it really works as well. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, so before I talk about my first one, I ranked mine from the closest to 3,000 down to the closest to 2,000. I did too. So, all right, yeah. So I just wanted to say that. So we're going to go from the lowest ranked game to the highest ranked of this 1,000. So... The first game I'm going to talk about is number 2,716 on Board Game Geek. It is from designer Bruno Catala, and it is called Madam Ching. And we moved on from Japan, and now we're in China. And we're going to be, in this one, you're taking on the role of pirates. You're trying to 
move your your little junk boats around by playing cards in either the same color or different colors to and higher numbers to move either straight or diagonal on the, along this board to get as far as you can to get to the highest number that you can to score the most points. If you play the same color, your boat moves straight. If you play a different color, then your boat starts moving diagonal. And you're also trying to do some set collection of these little, um, like there's like lanterns and swords. And once you can get so many of these different types of things, you're going to get these extra bonus point cards that are just going to help you win the game. So uh, I really like this game. It's not super deep. and You play over about four rounds, so it does get a, maybe a little repetitive. But again, we got this one for like 10 bucks. Bruno Catala is a really cool designer, makes pretty good games that I enjoy. So that's Madam Ching, my number one, or my number three, I guess. Yeah, I um I like this game, but it is very casual. I think the artwork is really pretty. And what I also love is it's based on a historical character, Madame Ching, who was a female Chinese pirate, which I think is incredibly dope and such a cool part of history that we don't know a lot about. So That is that is really cool. And her card looks awesome too. I think she might be on the cover too, but the card she looks way cooler. Yeah, she is on the cover, but it's she's cool. What I didn't mention, I just want to re- backpedal back to my star. Uh, Seiji Kanai was the designer of my start, which is another reason why it's so awesome because he, the, he, the, the love letter, love letter guy. Yeah. Yep. So he's so great at like little card games and making like a, the most out of just a few cards, but moving on. So that was my closest to 3000. The next one is ranked 2532. And that is another little card game called council of Verona. Um, I, Number one, I love little card games. Like if you can pack all like the fun, the strategy of a big box game into a little card game, I I think that that's genius. And I just, I don't know. I just think that there's something really special about that. It's like when people can write amazing short stories, it does the same thing for me with these little games. Also, this game that I picked, I love it because of its subject matter. So this game is called Council of Verona, and it is set in the world of Romeo and Juliet. So again, it's a card game. You have all the characters from Romeo and Juliet. You've got Romeo and Juliet. You've got the nurse. Um, you've got Paris and Lord Capulet and Lady Capulet and Lord Montague and Lady Montague. And what you're trying to do is it's it's kind of... It's like a bluffing deduction kind of game. So you have a hand of cards and on your turn, you are playing a card and you either can put the card on the council. So the prince is trying to develop a council to help kind of get the conflict out of Verona because obviously they, they have some gang issues in Verona. Uh, so you're putting people on the council and then you can send some people into exile so also as you're playing these cards in either exile on the council, they have powers that allow you to move people around to the council, off the council. And then there are certain cards that have influence on them. Um, they are like the key players like Romeo and Juliet, and they each have an agenda. So like Romeo and Juliet want to be on the council together. Obviously they don't want them to be in exile and they don't want to be into ex- in exile. Lord Montague wants more Montagues on the council than Capulets. So on each of those cards that have agendas, you are then placing your little influence tokens. So you've got different numbers and there's different slots. Some of them are negatives as well. You can use different characters to move around those numbers as well. Those, but they're face down so you don't know. So maybe you're trying to influence one, like put more Capulets on the council. So you're voting for that to happen, but you don't want your other players to know that or they'll try to boot all the Capulets off the council. So you have to like sneakily put your um, like influence in different places. It's just a really thinky little simple card game. And that's why I love it. That's Council Verona. Yeah, I remember playing this once. I don't really have a ton of like feelings about how I felt about it. I know I had fun when I played it, but it's been so while that I can't really remember. So, yeah, I it sounds fun from what you described it, but I don't really. I'm remember good at describing time. games. You are. You're way better than pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> we need to play it again. Um, 
I think I think you can play at two players. But I mean, forty four people on the BGG marketplace want it in trade. Wow. We have the expansion too. We, but we haven't played oh, with it. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's like little event cards I think that go with it. It's twenty bucks on Amazon. That's cool. But yeah, and I love Shakespeare, so yeah, you can play it two players. We should play it. And it's quick. It's quick. It's like maybe twenty minutes at the most. Sounds like a live play. Oh, maybe. So, yeah. Council Verona. It's my second choice. 2532. All right. So, my second choice is a game that Katie doesn't like. Uh, it's a new, I think it's the latest game from Days of Wonder, if not the latest, the one that came out last year. Or, I don't know. It's pretty recent. But it's from recent. Days of Wonder. Pretty new. Yeah, pretty recent. It's number 2611, and it's called Deep Blue. Uh, this is from the designers who did Copenhagen, and one of the designers did Flam Rouge, the little bike racing game. And what you're doing in this is you're gonna you have a couple boats, and you're doing you're trying to move these boats around to different um, wreck sites, and you're gonna be diving to collect different types of artifacts, gems, treasures, and all that stuff. The way the diving works is it's uh, you're drawing things out of a bag kind of like quacks of Quedlinburg style and you're trying not to bust by getting certain colors of gems. You don't want to run out of oxygen which is getting too many blue gems and you don't want the sea monsters to come and attack you which are black gems. And when the dive leader is pulling out gems they're going to score points based on the gems that come out but everybody else who's on the tile who's sharing in the dive so say I'm the dive leader and Katie comes along and puts her boat on that dive space as well when I'm diving she can play cards from her hand to be able to score gems when they're pulled out of the bag. So every time you pull a gem, people are allowed to play cards to score points to just get the most value out of the dive that they can. That's essentially the game. Uh, the game's going to end when you find four sunken city tiles on the map of, I think there's like 15 tiles. And once you find those four city tiles, the game's going to be over. Whoever has the most money from all the goods that they found and sold is the winner. Push your luck. A little bit of interesting card play. Um, I like this. Uh, the artwork is cool. The theme is neat to me. Yeah, so that's my number two, Deep Blue. I, I don't hate this game. I just don't want to play it, <laughs> which I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's okay. I just feel like like there's no chance of winning for me. Like, like you can't mitigate the luck enough. Sure you can. You can get cards that have the blue, extra blue die or blue gems. You can get cards that negate a black gem, all that stuff. Yeah, you, yeah, but like yeah, it's, one of like it's so hard to get multiples of them, and you could have a bunch pulled out. Like, I, I'm mean, it's okay. I I just don't really love it. I don't know, but I'm glad. I don't I'm know. Glad you I, like it. Yeah, I like it. It's pusher luck. It's uh, I mean, it's it's not a super like deep complex game, but. I, enjoy, I always like pulling things out of a bag and seeing what happens. So that's kind of why I like this one, I think. That is true. All right. So my last game is one that we have talked about before, and it's actually like a party game. So this is number 2,322, and it is Ladies and Gentlemen. So I think it's, I think Lebelude owns that. Owns it right now. Yes, that that's correct. Yep. Um, look at me. I do my research because I wouldn't know it anyway. Because um, you're not pretty okay. Because you're better than pretty okay. <laughs> I, I had to research it because I don't actually know who publishes any of this or who designs any of it. I'm terrible at it. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, is a fun game. You, it plays the low, lowest player counts four. It really is a sweet spot about six or eight players. I'd say you can play up to twelve, which is obscene. You want to play twelve. But what I love about ladies and gentlemen is you play it in partners. So one person plays as a lady, one person plays as a gentleman. Gender does not matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. Um, the gentlemen go to the stock market and they just basically flip over tiles. I don't understand what the gentlemen do at all. I've never played that side because it seems dumb. But they f- it's 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 not the greatest. <laughs> it's not the greatest. They flip stuff over and I think they try to get like sets and or whatever to get money. Correct, yes. Yeah. So they're basically somehow making money on their side. On the ladies' side of the table, um, the ladies have a bit more complicated, I think process where you have to put together an outfit that is the best outfit for the ball in the evening so you are going to certain stores you have to pick a store before you go shopping you're locked into that store 
Um, there's some card drafting going on. Um, you're looking for things that have stars, which is their prestige. And then you also are limited to a couple designers because you don't want to be gauche and just wear any designer at any time. And so you're kind of looking through and you can only have one type of item, like one hat, one dress, what have you. But at the end of the day, you have to send your purchases, well, your potential purchases over to whoever's playing the gentleman to decide if they are willing to pay for these or not. And so there's no other communication that can happen. And so you could send over a bunch of things and say, okay, well, I'll just let him pick whichever one he thinks we can afford. You don't know how much money they have. You don't know how much money they're going to have. Um, they don't know what you've already bought. They should kind of remember that, but they don't. Um, they don't know if you have five of one thing or whatever. It's hard work working at the stock market, okay? I can't remember what I just bought you yesterday. Uh, apparently. So, um, it's and it can, like the fun part of it is you can really get into your roles and... Like some people we played with use accents because for some reason when you're a lady who just shops at a gentleman that just works at the stock market, you have to have some kind of sophisticated accent when you play it. Um, some people get weird, like, no, woman, I'm not buying any of this fancy stuff. You know, I think I'd, I do that. You. I it's funny. like real life. Um, no, I can't let you. No, you can't have that $95 Kickstarter. What are you talking about? I was just going to mention that. Oh, <laughs> the theme possibilities are endless for ladies and gentlemen. Um, but it is really fun. It's like a different kind of party game. And like the ladies are kind of working together on their side. Like they're doing things, working against each other, trying to get stuff on discount, you know. And the gentlemen are working together on their side, like trying to like outmatch each other, be the first, get like first player order, all this stuff. So it's just really a fun game. Like it's a, it's totally a good time. And it's ranked 2,322. On BGG, and that is Ladies and Gentlemen. Yeah, I haven't played the lady side yet, but I want to. But um, the the guy's side is basically you are allowed to use one hand, and there's this little pile of tokens. You have to reach in with one hand, flip a token, see what it is, see if you want it, because you're trying to collect different sets to fulfill these like job contract things. So you're trying to see if you want it. If not, you put it back down. So there's a little bit of memory because you don't want to keep grabbing the same you know, thing that you can look at because you're wasting time. And you're allowed to grab three different tokens plus a turn order. So, like, once I get some tokens, I grab turn order, then I'm done. But if I grab two tokens and then turn order, then I'm done. Because you got to make sure you know, you don't grab turn order. You don't keep turn order until you're all the way done. So that's essentially what the guy side does. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to play the other side and kind of figure it out so that I'd be able to teach this game if you were it around. As it is, what happens is usually... Jason, I'll play it. He'll teach the gentleman's side. I'll teach the lady's side. And then we'll play it out. So I'd like to learn the other side. But it it's, it is, it's a fun time. Yeah, it, it, it's a silly game. It's not even really that much of a game, honestly. But it's just fun to play. <laughs> All right. So my last one uh, is a Simon game. Eric M. Lang game. What? And Antoine Bowser. So he's bringing it down from the craziness to the, the lightweight stuff here. And that is number 2,297 on BoardGameGeek, and it is called Victorian Masterminds. So I, I like we've actually played this a decent amount of times. Mm -hmm. I traded for it for, I don't even remember what I traded for it, but it looked interesting to me. I watched a review. I was like, oh, that theme's kind of neat. It's got arbitrary minis that could just be cubes or whatever, so I don't mind that. And what you're doing in this game is it's kind of a, a worker placement game, sort of, where you have these little like gears that are going to be your workers. Each worker is going to have a special ability. You're going to take the, the worker and you're going to go to one of these five different locations that represent a big city across the world. And you're going to put your worker face down. So no one really knows what you put at these areas. Once there are three workers at each of these cities, you're going to, you're going to fire off the action. So you'll take the stack and you'll flip it so they're face up. Then you're going to resolve the ability. You're going to resolve the action of the space that you go to because every city gives you a different type of resource or something. And then you're going to do the ability on your, your character, unless your character gets negated, because there's one character that negates the character directly below, which is really jerky. So um, all you're trying to do is you're trying to, I always call it crush these buildings, but you're trying to snatch up buildings. Uh, you're trying to build your doomsday device, and you're trying to just stay ahead of the Secret Service and your firepower so they can 
not keep you from snatching up buildings and doing what you need to do. It's a pretty simple game. It's like a little bit of set collection, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, mostly set collection because you're trying to get bolts and metal to build your Doomsday device to get points and all that stuff. So yeah, I, it's a simple game, but for some reason it's stupid fun and I like playing it. So my number one on this list because it's closest to 2000 is Victorian Masterminds. Yeah, I like this game. We talked about this the other week in Components, like mentioned, how like the gears are cool. Uh, the artwork is really awesome. And I actually love the minis because they're like all these cool little buildings like Big Ben and the Eiffel Tower. Um, but it, it, I every time we play it, I'm like, oh, this game is really fun. Like just like thinking where you're going to place your workers and how they're going to roll out and when they are and what parts you're going to build to give you different stuff like an engine kind of thing it's really great i like it a lot yeah it plays in about like 30 to 45 minutes too which is nice so it's like real fast it's fun and it's a good time yeah i like this one a lot yeah um so i had several honorable mentions i really love uh recreators which is 2005 just caught in that 2000 mark it's cute it's really pretty simple little set collection type game where you're rolling chucking dice and I, i like that Dice placement. Rising 5, which everyone tells me is Mastermind rethemed, but I've never played Mastermind. So um, I like that game a lot. It's a really fun cooperative. It's more of a game than Mastermind, but the main the main gist is Mastermind. Uh, Kill Dr. Lucky, which I um, played when Cheap Ass first made it, and it was just cardboard, and you had to provide your own player components and everything for it and you just unfolded the box which was the board um i have a soft spot for that that's 2384 illimat which is 2540 it's i it's not like euchre but it has trick taking involved in it and there's just something so cool about it i really like that uh, london dread is 2558 again a cooperative game that i think is really neat jason still doesn't know if he likes it or not but that game is fun <laughs> Yeah, still not sure. <laughs> it's it's really fun. Um, I also like Dark Tales, which is twenty six sixty five, and we have I think every single expansion. Yes. For that one, the cards really great size. The artwork is amazing, and I we've played it with all of the expansions together. I don't like that. I think you should play one at a time, so that things don't get kind of all garbled up. But each one has a really um, neat goal that goes with the theme of whatever fairy tale is representing. And that's really fun. I love good card games. And then 2721 is Caper, which is one of the best two-player card games um, from Keymaster, who at this point for me can do no wrong. The artwork is amazing, and it's so fun. Yeah, so I have some honorable mentions as well. I actually took off the ones that I had on my list that Katie had, and the overlaps would have been Rec Raiders, because that game is amazing. Illimat, which I've played a whole ton. We actually played that at the church camp we were at, which is kind of weird because it looks like it has tarot cards but that's a whole other story for another day <laughs> um dark tales is really good that was on my list i really like this game because the art is gorgeous it's mostly just draw a card play a card but it's super fun and caper was also on my list but i took it off because you talked about it the ones that are different that i have is queen's necklace it's number 2120 a little set collection game where you're trying to build some or not build but make some jewelry set in the three musketeers universe um, Space Explorers, which is 2,150. It's like a more gamery version of Splendor. Uh, Spirits of the Rice Paddy, 2,531, which seems really low for this game because PDB. A lot of like, yeah, it's Philip DeBerry. A lot of like uh, reviewers love it. It's just crazy that it's so low. I don't know. It's if I didn't say that, it's 2,531. And the last one that I have on mine is called Order of the Gilded Compass. 2,743 It's like a, a Yahtzee-style dice placement game where you're trying to collect different types of sunken treasure and artifacts and stuff. Just a good time. So those are my honorable mentions. There are a lot of games from 2,000 to 3,000 on the BGG rankings that we really like that we actually play quite a bit. So that's why I think that the ranking system is crap. But what about you? What are some of your favorite deep cuts as it were of board games that are down in that 2000 to 3000 ranking that maybe we did mention um let us know find us on facebook join the riveted hit us up on instagram twitter 
definitely our YouTube page. Subscribe, like. Jason's got videos off the wazoo, and I have like five on there. Um, we love to hear from you guys, and we love to know what you think about the games that are out there and help us find new games that are maybe flying under the radar. So, yeah. Yeah. I second all that. <laughs> second it. Well, that's that's all I got for tonight. Me too. I just want to give a shout out. Uh, if you haven't, go check out Board Game Rundown. It's a pretty cool like video. It's like a video version of a podcast. I don't know if they actually have a podcast, but they basically do like a video of a top five list, top ten list, whatever they want to do. So go check them out. That's Tim and Dan, who is now Katie's favorite. And they do that weekly or every two weeks, but you can check them out on YouTube. It's a good show. All right. Well, at the time of this recording, it is getting late and I'm getting sleepy. I've also been watching a lot of documentaries on National Geographic, which puts Jason to sleep like immediately. No, I, I don't mind it. Like it just depends who the narrator is. Like J.K. Simmons is the new one. He's sweet. Yeah, I'm watching Wild Hawaii. Very interesting. I watched this like aerial tour of Japan. Amazing. I gotta go. All right. <laughs> so I gotta get back to my documentaries. Um, I've been Katie. <laughs> and I'm Jason. <laughs> Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. And let's watch documentaries.